Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 194th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we're going to talk about teens and music education. Your daughter has been playing piano since she was seven, and now that she's a sophomore in high school, she wants to quit piano. Do you let her? Your son wants to play bass, so you sign him up for lessons, but he doesn't want to practice. Do you force him? Your daughter wants to quit choir and taking voice lessons because she can't sing like Taylor Swift. So what should a mom do? Do you force her to keep singing? Do you let her quit? How can parents motivate their teens to keep pursuing their music, their instruments? What are the advantages of learning to play an instrument in the teenage years? And what are the benefits of playing an instrument with the developing teen brain? Our guest today is an expert in music education. Dana Vacharajani's multifaceted career has been marked by singing in top venues, founding and teaching in her own private music school, Dana V Music, as well as consulting and advising to further develop music education. As a teaching advisor for ensemble music schools, she oversees the positive recruitment, retention, and development of the many talented and nurturing teachers that are at the heart of our organization, as well as oversees the growth in each of our schools. A graduate of the Juilliard School in Carnegie Mellon University, she has been a featured soloist in Carnegie Hall and Alice Tully Hall, as well as a touring artist and soloist with major orchestras around the US. Dana is a mother to three incredible children and also currently teaches voice at Dana V Music, the original ensemble music school. So welcome, Dana. Hi, Colleen. I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a fun topic. The first question I ask all my moms is, are you a mom and what are the ages of your kids? I am a mom and I am a mom to three children. The oldest is my daughter, who's 15, and I have two sons that are very far, far apart from their sister. One is eight and one is five. Ah, okay. Interesting. Oh, but I'm also <laughs> supposed to include that I am also a dog mom. So I have a dog named Kit too. <laughs> okay. Well, dog moms are very important too. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your background and music? It's kind of a long background. I think when you get to this point in your career, you say, how many hats have I worn in my life? But very simply, I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania, and I loved music. And music was a part of my life from the moment I was born, according to my mother. And as I grew up, 
I worked very hard to try to find all of the teachers that I needed to take care of all of my interests. So I played violin and piano and guitar and I sang. And from there, I went on to study at university. I studied vocal performance and music education. It was very important to my father that I had two different degrees. And it just so happened that I absolutely love teaching and it was a very easy decision for me to make. And after I finished my undergrad degree at Carnegie Mellon University, I decided to be a teacher. And so I taught middle school music. I filled in as a substitute teacher. And then I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should see if singing is worthwhile. So I spent the next year getting my master's degree, next three years getting my master's degree from the Juilliard School of Music in uh, vocal performance. But the whole time I was feeling a little empty. I was getting a lot of jobs. I was singing. I was a professional. I did that for 10 years in New York, but I felt empty. I needed to teach. And I wanted to keep teaching throughout the whole experience of being a singer. So I taught private lessons. I would go to houses and schools and I would just be the traveling teacher and visit people's houses. But at the same time, I taught inner city public school in Mount Vernon, New York, and I did that job for three years. And I just became addicted to loving being an educator and bringing the world of music to children. And that led me later to when we, when I moved to Colorado is starting my own music school. It was a dream of mine. And I started a music school in 2005. I owned and ran that music school until 2019. And then I sold that school to Ensemble Music Schools. And I have proudly been the head of teacher development for Ensemble Music Schools since then. And love teachers, love general managers, love helping people learn how to teach. So that's kind of my short story, but not very much. <laughs> <laughs> so are your kids in the music? Yes. I will say that with a little bit of caution because they were not crazy about music like I was. So my daughter sings, she plays the flute, but my husband is not a musician by trade. He's an electrical engineer. We both agree that music has to be an important part of our children's lives. So the boys are learning piano right now and had to be in my preschool musical, which they really didn't like. We worked through it and we found the enjoyment in it. And now they have a lot of memories. Oh, that's great. How about your daughter? She's a singer and she plays the flute. And she just finished her first high school musical in ninth grade, which was Mamma Mia. And I'm so proud of her. And it was a really beautiful experience. And she oh made my gosh. Yeah. There's nothing better than a high school musical. I will say, especially the ones here, I am so impressed with my students at every single high school that I see. They are such great productions and they're so fun. So I loved being the parent and watching my daughter on the stage where I've watched a lot of my students. Yes. Well, I have a fun story is my father grew up in Chicago with the last name of O'Grady. They were very Irish. My grandmother had eight boys and she was a painter and a hat maker and a songwriter, but she taught every one of her boys something on the piano. Oh my goodness. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible because I think as parents, we always think we have to ask somebody else to do it for us, teach the music for our children. But to be the mom and be the teacher is 
absolutely amazing and is such a joy. And I actually am my daughter's teacher. So I kind of understand it, but not for eight children. Eight boys. (laughs) Wow. Which is, wow. I just feel like she needs a crown to wear on her head. (laughs) Well, and the thing is crazy is my dad in his eighties would still sit down and play that one song that he learned from his mom. That is the most important thing about music in our lives is that it will be a constant for as long as you live. And that song is going to carry along until we are past this world and we've passed it on to some other children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. That's what I love about music and songs. Yes. My mom, she just turned 90 and she has dementia and it's very bad dementia. But what I do every Sunday is we drive around and I'll play an old musical and she knows every single word of those musicals. Isn't that amazing? I I mean, it is really wonderful what they recall because in my performance career, I used to tour the United States and I would give concerts in concert halls and I would do lectures for college students. But part of that training was also going into senior residences and senior homes and giving a artist lecture. And in that artist lecture, I would have these ladies wheeled in in their wheelchairs, not looking like they were very, you know, very attentive. I'd have these gentlemen wheeled in and and all of a sudden I'd sing something like where or when from babes in arms and they would all perk up and start singing. And that was (laughs) just one of my favorite memories. So I love that you shared that with me. And I love that you shared that she still remembers those songs. Musical theater is One of my biggest loves too, even though I was an opera singer, that was my dream to be on Broadway. And I just think that the other one was uh, somewhere from West Side Story. Big. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what do you think are the benefits of music education in teens? I have a really strong opinion about this because if you go on Google parents and you Google what are the benefits, the top 10 benefits of, of music, you're going to find things like mindfulness, that your child is going to develop mindfulness. They're going to be so, so much smarter. They're going to score high on their SATs. They're going to have great social skills and confidence. They're going to be great at multitasking and discipline. And I'm here to tell you that all of those things are 100% true. I've seen 25 years plus of students who have displayed all of these wonderful qualities. But on top of that, music gives you such a wonderful background, like we were talking about, you are going to carry this with you your whole life. If you have the right teachers in music, this is going to be a relationship that you carry with you for years and years to come. And I hearken back to my daughter's experience that when your child is involved in music, it's not only that they're developing all of these self skills, they're also developing a sense of community. They're also developing the sense of needing to be in a community. When you have a relationship with a teacher, you're also learning the process of having a a different relationship outside of your parents. You're learning how to negotiate for what you want. You're learning how to be able to speak to what you are looking for as a young person in music. So it's not just those top 10 points that you're going to Google. This is going to be a lifelong process that you take with you as you grow. And for parents too, 
parents are going to have memories for years and years to come. And Colleen, you were just saying with your mom and with your daughter, and these are all memories that are going to come from taking music lessons. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm a little bit of a neuroscience geek. And so the brain, especially in those teenage years of blossoming and pruning. So the easiest time for a person to learn an instrument is in those teenage years. So there's some things that really do not help the teenage brain, which is like mindless scrolling on TikTok or whatever. When you have something like if it's like musical theater or writing a song or learning an instrument or being in a choir, there are so many parts of the brain that are activated and that brain is lighting up and blossoming all over the place. You are 100%, 120% correct. I'm so in your corner about this. And when high schoolers come into ensemble music schools and they want to learn an instrument, it is not too late. I, I have heard teachers say it's too late to learn an instrument. No, this is the best time to have your child come in. Because I'm going to tell you something, the, the high schoolers that come into lessons a little bit later than elementary school, I will say that they want to do it. They're coming yeah. into music lessons because it's something that they're interested in and it's something they want to do. You actually, as a teacher, don't even have to try to pull goals out of them. When we're teaching our littles, which I'm passionate about teaching my littles too, and when you teach the littles, you're kind of giving them guidance. You're kind of showing them the steps that they have to take along the way. With a high schooler, they come in with a teen, they're coming in and they are basically in for a reason, wanting to accomplish a goal, whether it's, I want to audition for my musical, I want to be in a band, I want to play flute in the Philharmonic, I want to play violin in the orchestra, that's okay. We're ready to take over those goals because they, you know that they are going to be passionate about it. And it's our job as parents and as teachers to make sure that we're nurturing that 100% so that they don't lose their way. That's why finding the right teacher is so important mm, in yes. this age, you know? Yeah. So funny story about me is that my mom wanted me to play the clarinet. But when I was 12, my mom like picked up a guitar and she started learning how to play guitar. And I thought, why is my mom playing a cool instrument and I'm stuck with the clarinet? So I started sneaking behind her back and learning chords. And I have played guitar since I was 12. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And that's such a tribute. You know, who knows if your mom actually knew that you might do that? I feel like parents, <laughs> we parents don't give ourselves enough credit because we panic a lot. We wonder if we're always making the right decisions. And sometimes if we just sit back and observe them, they will do the most amazing things. And I think your mom was a genius for <laughs> picking something up at the same time and then, you know, really incentivizing you to try something else. Now, let me ask you a question. Does your mom know that you play guitar? <laughs> yeah, she does. Yes, <laughs> yes. I ended up writing songs and learning how to sing and did three CDs of music myself that a lot of them are under my bed, but I produced three CDs. 
you need to tell your listeners more about these CDs. That's fabulous. <laughs> I would love to give them too. Wow. See, this is great. This is exactly what we're talking about. And and how old were you when your mom wanted you to learn clarinet? Probably like eight or nine. Yeah. And you're big on the brain, right? Yeah. So it was eight or nine years old. You're kind of in like fourth or fifth grade, you know, kind of trying to figure out your situation, your social situation. Guitars are a little bit cooler. You're right. But <laughs> You know, I will say that clarinet is probably the most popular instrument in fifth grade that band students try to learn. And so you will see a beginning band at the elementary level. You know, I give so much credit to those elementary band teachers because you'll see like four flutes and then 15 clarinet. So, you know, I live, and they somehow make music out of this whole group of kids trying to play trumpet and trombone, and they do it with a lot of love, and it's beautiful. So, you know, way to go, clarinet teachers, as well. You know, but I'm glad you found your path, Colleen. That's what we need to do. And to that point, a high schooler, we'll call them teens too, and tweens, as they're developing, you know, you'll notice that because they're kind of taking this instrument on, they might be a little bit more dedicated to it. When yes. you have elementary students, they're dabbling. At ensemble schools, we kind of say, you know, let's recommend piano first, unless the child is super duper passionate about an instrument, learning an instrument, because you're going to get all of your foundations from piano. You're going to get your motor skills, your kinesthetic, your aural skills, your theory skills. You're going to be able to hit a note on the piano and it comes right back to you correctly if you hit it properly. It doesn't always happen, but <laughs> that is the beautiful thing about learning piano. But when a high schooler comes in, they've had this brewing for a while. And so we need to allow them to sit with it while they are learning it because having it in their mind saying, I'm going to play guitar and I am going to accompany myself. I find that Nirvana is making a comeback with high schoolers in 2022, which is funny because every child who wears a Nirvana t-shirt, I tell them to name three songs by Nirvana. <laughs> so I love when they pass the test, but this is, this is a time when they're wanting to set a goal and they might not get those chords. So as a teacher, we need to just kind of find a way to get them around to that goal of playing the piece that they're really imagining themselves in their heads playing. That's another thing is their expectations are very clear in their heads if they are coming at it with an interest. If mom or dad or guardians have brought their child into lessons because they are trying to find a path for them. This is a great opportunity for the music teacher as well, is to just listen very closely to that child and listen to what they're saying and find the interests that are very close to them. Find out what kind of styles they like, find out what their goals are. They might have the child in for a piano lesson and find out that they love guitar. And that's where that piano teacher needs to say, okay, I love that you want to learn guitar and we're looking on piano right now. Let me see if I can help you find a guitar teacher too. Mm -hmm. Because if yeah. this is their goal, this is important. We as parents have plenty of expectations where we imagine our child's being an amazing singer or I played piano as a child. So my child has to play piano as a child. And if we listen to our children, they're going to lead us a little bit. 
you know that you talk about all the time. (laughs) No, I completely, completely agree with you. The teacher thing is so important. My daughter went to a high school in performing and visual arts school. There were several teachers that were very detrimental because they were very shaming. And I just saw the difference of what that did to my own daughter in terms of that like shaming and almost ridiculing. And it wasn't just in one department, it was in a few departments. And I remember also going with my daughter. She went to Point Park University in Pittsburgh and they had a big... I went to Pittsburgh. I love (laughs) Pittsburgh. All about it. (laughs) Yes. So they had this big dance intensive in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I watched a good, good instructor and everybody wanted to be in that class because I had to check kids into the room. And I watched how excited these kids were with a good instructor, like completely opposite of the others. Like you could see how proud they were that they learned how to do the big jump and spin thing in the air. I don't even know what you call it, but, but see these. Yes. But they come alive with a good instructor. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I think you and I were kind of of the era that if you had a really amazing teacher, you needed to accept them no matter what, because this teacher had an amazing reputation and you needed to be grateful for studying with them. And you needed to do everything you could to stay in their studio. And you were scared of them. I, yes, yes, yes. And I was very, very lucky. Just a little bit about where I grew up. I grew up in a little farm town in Pennsylvania, very small population, but for some reason, we had the most amazing music and arts teachers in that area because they showed us how much they loved music. And they were dedicated to keeping our social and community together, that community of music together. So they really kind of brought us into this world with plenty of activities and showed us how much we could love it. It started with my elementary music teacher, Mrs. Boffman. She had to do music on a cart. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But she would push that cart and be so happy to come into the room and play her little auxiliary instruments. We thought it was the funnest thing because she looked like she was selling, peddling something. (laughs) And then when I finally got into third grade, she got her own room. And that became the most magical place in the world. I think there is, I don't mean to be controversial about this. Sometimes there is a place for that teacher that is extremely strict that has the reputation, that has the very vast experience and that we are all vying to get into their studios. As a student who went to Juilliard, I dreamed about studying with some of those teachers there. But when you're dealing with a tween or a teen, that teacher needs to show the love first. If your child is seeing that the teacher is enjoying performing, loves getting you up and performing, loves having you share that communication, that's a great teacher. Yes. That teacher that's really kind of encouraging the child. Are they sensitive to your child's needs? We had a wonderful teacher recently who gave a seminar based on the whole child. And that was really important for all of us teachers to hear that seminar because we want to make sure that we're not only taking care of the child's musical needs, we want to make sure that that child is showing up and they are feeling safe and heard 
and they are feeling like they are contributing to their own lesson, right? Are the teachers aware of that? Are the teachers reliable? Are they keeping a schedule? Are they respecting your teenager, your child saying, yes, I'm committing to giving you a lesson every week. If I get sick, I'm going to make up your lesson. If I am away, I'm going to make sure I find the best substitute teacher for you that's going to make you feel the same way I like making you feel, right? I, as a parent, I'm looking for a teacher that ebbs and flows with my child, you know? Yes, yes. My daughter's flute teacher is that teacher that ebbs and flows with her. My son's piano teacher, who is at ensemble schools, he is just phenomenal. He gets both of their personalities, works with them, plays games with them, gives them different styles of music. He is the reason why my children are off of screens and playing video music on the piano and not going and scrolling up and down for that stimulation. Yeah. Uh, As a parent, I can speak to that screen thing very, very wholeheartedly because we had to work very hard to get my son and our daughter off of the screens because their personalities were changing. But the more we got them into their activities, into their flute lessons, into their piano lessons, this musical changed my daughter's life. I think that as a parent, you can look for those kind of teachers. And if you're looking for a school, Google is helpful. But talk to your friends. If you, if, yeah. you, if you Google like great music schools in my area or good piano lessons in my area, whether you live in Houston or Boulder or New York City, schools will come up. As a parent, when you call to set up lessons, make sure you talk to the general manager and talk to them about how they talk about their teachers. How do they talk about the teachers on their staff? How are their teachers? If you're going to an independent teacher, Make sure that that teacher is talking about how much they love their music and how much they love to teach. That's a must, a must. How Mm. much do you love to teach? Mm. That's good advice. So good. I'm a therapist. I remember I had this 16-year-old girl in my office. I know she had a great voice and had sung in a choir. And she told me, I'm just going to quit singing. And I said, well, why? And she goes, I'll never sing like Taylor Swift. I'm so heartbroken when we have those conversations. Do you remember what you, how you responded to her about that? Well, I definitely didn't say that's a good idea. I mean, <laughs> God, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I directed her back to her own love of music. I wanted to ask you, and you went to Juilliard. It seems people can get caught into more of a comparison, competition, And then feel like if they're not as good as this band, they should quit. They'll never have a chance. So what do you do with that as a teacher? This is... And a parent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because my daughter might go through this. My sons go through this a lot, especially because they were raised with me hosting recitals. And they got to see what the Dana V Music kids did or the Ensemble Music Schools kids did. And then they sit down at the piano I have a wonderful colleague who sang on Broadway and she came to our school probably 12 or 13 years ago when I started this camp called Bring It to Broadway. And it was right when Wicked, the musical, was just so popular. This child was singing Defying Gravity, young person. 
And she said something very important to this young student that I have taken with me to all of my students who audition and who are taking lessons. And I say, I don't want to hear the Broadway star. I don't want to name names, but like there's already this Broadway star. There's already that Broadway star. What's most important is how you show me this song, how you sing this song. What does this song do for you? The teen years are a time of so much discovery, as you said. It's also a time when they need to have their confidence built the most. I've had students that refuse to perform in their teen years. Maybe their voice is changing. Maybe they don't sing like the girl in their choir. Maybe his voice hasn't changed yet. These are all factors, right? And what I say to them is you can only show up to where you are right now. And I was told this by a teacher too. You are perfect where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And work from there. As they're in their process, I encourage the student who didn't want to perform in any public concerts for the recitals for the school. She was a little too scared. I started creating projects for her. She'll probably know who she is when she hears this. (laughs) I started creating projects for her and I'd say... If you were going to create a playlist for Spotify, what songs would be on there? Let's learn those. If you were going to do a performance at a cafe, what songs would you perform? And let's write your own. (laughs) And I would just ask all these what ifs of her. So by the time she graduated from high school, she had already done a competition with me on singing on an app. She had already written like two or three songs. She had already performed in a cafe and done a set and arranged her own cafe performance by, I think as teachers and parents, you got to look outside the box to build that confidence. It's not, let's just show up every week, come to the lesson, put your time in, go home and practice, but let's create something special out of your time here so that you feel like when you've walked away Maybe you're walking away from lessons because you're graduating from school. However, I find that a lot of those students come back to music later in life, that you have those memories. You can pass them down, just like you were talking about with your father. Yeah. And what I love about that is really redirecting that outward focus of looking at everyone else and reconnecting to your love of music, your love of singing, your songs, your style, your unique voice. And I saw this so much with these kids who went to the performing visual arts school is they lost their joy. They lost their energy about it. And I would continually just bring them back to why did you even want to start to draw or dance or sing? Even if you just stand in the stairwell and sing your heart out and have fun doing it, it's reconnecting to the fun, I think. I agree with you 100%. Two things that we used to do with our students, and I watched one of my colleagues, again, one of my colleagues from Broadway, do this in a masterclass, and we started incorporating it into lessons, is if a student is kind of getting lost, and I know you've probably done this as well, is just get out a piece of paper and play them a song and have them just start free drawing and just doodling connecting the kinesthetic to the aural, to everything, to get them back into themselves, right? Another tactic I can say as a parent that I'm constantly hungry 
for my child to tell me what their journey is like in music or what their journey is like in school. And that is the point where my child wants to shut down and not talk to me. (laughs) And it's hard. But what I'll do is I'll just kind of open something up like I do with my students. A lot of our colleagues at ensemble schools do this, and we brought it into lessons, is just journaling. Part of practicing is talking about how you're feeling and how this makes you feel to practice. One of the conversations that I have to have with parents about practicing is that, okay, you've gone past the first step. You've called and you've gotten your child into lessons. Congratulations, parent. You've gotten your child into lessons. Hopefully, you've accomplished number two. You've got a great teacher that's going to really help take care of your child from week to week. Number three, your child is getting music and they're bringing it home. So now they have to practice. And how are you going to get your child to practice? And it's one of these things where a parent comes in and says, my child's not practicing. Or a child comes into the studio and says, oh, I just didn't practice this week. And I think as parents, we have to go back to ourselves and ask ourselves, I've had to ask myself this over and over again. And from running a studio, I see my children being so overscheduled. And when I say my children, my students being overscheduled. And all of a sudden as a parent, and I have found this too, my children will walk into the house and they'll be like, I'm bored. I want something (laughs) to do. And I can't be on my screen or I can't watch the show. And I'll say, well, why don't you go practice piano? It immediately becomes a punishment for some of them. Mm. That's one of those times as a parent, I go, Dana, that is not what you tell your parents. (laughs) What I tell my parents is that We need to find the times when they can empower themselves into practicing because you need to ask them when they have free time, when they have that 15 minutes. Start slow. How long does it take you to brush your teeth? Okay, let's figure out how long it takes you to go to bed and start with 15 minutes and put it in a calendar. A lot of parents think that practicing is every single day. There are some teachers that are going to ask you every single day to practice. But I truly believe that if you give them a chance to practice and you give them a small limitation, like 15 minutes, that they will add another five onto that. And then they'll be able to speak about that in their lessons or to the parent. I ask my daughter all the time, did you practice your flute? Yes, mom, I practiced my flute. (laughs) Follow it up with a question. Oh, what song was it? Oh my gosh. I think I remember playing that on the violin. You know, try to find some curiosity when you're asking a child about practice. So I could go on and on about that, but I know you don't have a 17-hour show. Two things I want to add to that is I think what's really helpful too is, and that's what you were doing in terms of coming up with a Spotify playlist, is if it's really their goal. And I think what you can simply say is like, what would make it worth it for you to practice? Well, I would really like to learn this journey song. Well, cool. Why don't you start there? It's connecting them to a goal that they want. And just say, you know, there's no reason you can't play exactly that guitar lead on journey if you just practice. Yeah, to this point, when I was a student, my teachers would tell me because I was an opera singer, I wanted to learn all the arias. I wanted to learn Quando Menvo, and I wanted to learn O Mio Babino Caro, and I wanted to sing all these amazing opera songs. And my teacher, and I love her, she would gently say to me, there is no reason why you can't learn that now. 
let's work on it. Let's work on parts of this. I was not limited by my teacher, but she would always qualify and say, we can work on these songs for technique, for storyline, for everything, but just make sure that you don't take this to an audition at the age of 16 or 17, because there's an expectation in the world of music about this piece. Mm. But we're going to work on it for you because you love it and you want to. And when I was at Juilliard, I have to be honest with you, I had many, many moments in that part of my career where it became real, right? When you're in high school and you say, oh, I want to be a singer and I want to pursue this as my job. And then you get into your college years and everything's going great and you're in the productions and you're succeeding. And then you get to a school like Juilliard where you're with a lot of the cream of the crop, the best of the best. It becomes a very real situation for you that you're competing and this is becoming a job. And just like our tweens and teens, I had to come to a point where I had to say, what makes me love music? What makes me love? And I know we're going full circle, but in a much simpler way. Thank you for leading me that way, Colleen. Why did I do this in the first place? And for me, I realized, oh, I love to communicate. I love to communicate in so many different ways. And that's when I went back to teaching public school. So when I was finishing my last year at Juilliard, I was actually teaching public school as well. And it was probably the best thing for me because then I could share my love of music with those children, some of which are now teachers today, which makes me feel really old, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I also want to go back to one thing you said. I had a client, she was 16 years old, and she told me how she had gotten grounded and her mom took away the phone. And I said, oh, gosh, what did you do? And she goes, oh, I just picked up my guitar and started playing. I think if mom, you don't say, well, you could play your guitar. I think if you don't say that, I think they'll figure that out. Mm -hmm. So I think the digital screens are so addicting and so consuming. But then I think a little boredom is useful, too, Mm -hmm. because you find your way to guitar or writing or piano. You find your way back. This is so true. I have a lot of students in my studio who I called them my 13ers. I had had them from the age of five until they graduated from college. And so it was wonderful for me to see them grow and change in those 13 years. And they had tremendous times of boredom and self-questioning and anger and frustration, especially when their voices were changing. And this comes up normally in our lives as we change, but always helping them come back to why they're doing it in the first place is so important. And I will tell you that a lot of the projects that I will give my students involves writing lyrics or songwriting. And I'm not a composer. I'm not a songwriter, but I get the basics. And then if I don't understand if my student is becoming more complicated, I will go to somebody who knows how to do that. I have a student who is a singer-songwriter who is getting ready to go on tour with a major band at the ripe old age of 16. Wow. And keeping her in line and keeping her motivated. Sometimes you might think, oh, this is what she loves to do the most. But there are times when we just have to sit back and I have to create a whole new writing project for her because she'll get stuck in the process. She'll get stuck in a formula, just like our kids in math. They'll get stuck in a formula and say, I can't think outside of the box to solve this problem or this algorithm. 
we can do that in music. That's the beautiful thing about music. But it horrifies me when a parent will take away that one thing that they love so much. It's hard. I won't call it completely horrifying, especially if they're not using the instrument in the right way, but it is their outlet. And yes. if they're playing a guitar as their outlet, we have to recognize that as parents. Yeah, I was just going to say that, especially in the tween teen years, like relationships and drama and their hearts are broken all over the place. And if they can come back to their guitar, I mean, that was true for me. My guitar was my friend. Mm -hmm. My guitar was my companion. Isn't that great that you can say that? I think that's amazing. Because as human beings, we're looking for connections. And a lot of times we think that those connections are with other human beings. And I think sometimes we think that it's not a good thing that a child is spending time on their piano or spending time with their guitar. Having that well balance, that balance is really important. But what if it brings more people to you? What if it brings more friends? What if you're creating more music? I love that opportunity. I love drum circles and singing circles and just jamming with your guitar because that's where your creation is going to come from. And your daughter probably learned that a lot from her performing arts high school because they had to create their own little clubs and share and find an outlet in something that they are spending a lot of time on, this helps them release. So yeah, to your point, absolutely. Yes. Well, you're right. You and I could talk forever. I'm having so much fun talking with you. You too. Um, (laughs) Any last advice for the moms listening? Oh my goodness. Moms and dads and parents and guardians. And I know most of your audience is moms. You know what? When you have a little a little child, I call them littles, you know, you want to just observe them and let them lead. If you want to get them into music, you know, find a really wonderful music class for them to get them hearing and listening to music. It doesn't have to be an instrument to begin with. We're really big at ensemble music schools on getting them to experience life through music first. And then when they progress to an instrument, just watch how they're responding. They will ebb and flow. And if they discover two or three different instruments, that's fine. As they get into their teen years, which I know that this is mostly what this is about, I would think the positive. See how your child is changing through music and their discovery through music. If they haven't been in music before, maybe ask them what they're listening to when they have their earbuds in all the time. Maybe ask them to share it in the car. They might be embarrassed at first. Don't have a huge reaction. If it's got some questionable things, sometimes it goes over their head. Sometimes we want to have a conversation (laughs) about those lyrics. That's up for a whole other podcast. But let them share with you. Be in their world. I think sometimes we have way too high of an expectation and we need to just sit back and let the child lead and listen to them. Oh, and when they're in an experience, moms, be in it. I just got to make dinners for the kids in these musicals. I got to bring brownies. I was trying to be the most supportive mom and I didn't have to try because these parents made it so easy for me and the school made it so easy for me. And I just feel very grateful 
And I think as a parent, moms, you just let them lead and ask a lot of questions and be curious and try not to have the expectations. They're going to shine in whatever way they will. And you will be happy that you supported them. Yes. So you've mentioned ensemble music a lot. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? Yes. So my school, Dana V Music, I ran it for about 16 years. And then this wonderful young entrepreneur came into my life and started Ensemble Music Schools. He bought my school, brought it under its wing. Ensemble Music Schools is a wonderful collection of independent music schools all around the country. They all keep their same names. They are nurturing. They are beautiful community schools that were acquired for that reason, that they are nurturing, that they are community, that they are have a place in the community. But we as ensemble music schools, as a company, we're there to nurture the schools themselves. So we provide that support for our general managers, our owners, our teachers. In my part, my job is to support all 700 plus teachers in the U.S. So we have schools, we have about 37 plus schools across the U.S. currently, and we're just all about helping the community and also helping the teacher have a career in the private music sector. So we're trying to help these private teachers see themselves as music teachers and support them by offering a lot of other wonderful retirement health benefits, things like that, that we all need these days. Yeah. So how can moms contact you or learn more about Ensemble Music? So if you're ever curious about any of our Ensemble Music schools, and if you want to find out if there's an Ensemble Music school near you, just go to www.ensemblemusicschools.com. I know they sounded old saying it that way. Everybody just go look us up on the internet. And then if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see all of our schools across the U.S. If you are interested in speaking with me, you can Find me on the Ensemble Music Schools page, and I'm just Dana V at EnsembleMusicSchools.com. And you can always ask me questions about being a parent in music because that's my gig. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Colleen. And keep playing the guitar and keep singing and keep enjoying your journey. I will. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.